This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Let's kick off hour two. This is Sportsnet today. Logan Gordon along with you. Our outstanding production team of Cam and Taylor with us this afternoon. Broadcasting live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios. On a Calgary Flames game day, the Flames and the Minnesota Wild. And despite a win against the Dallas Stars last night, the last time these two teams met just Saturday at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Probably still front of mind for a lot of Flames fans. Lack of effort, lack of emotion, and a lack of any points in that loss. They're hoping to change all of that up tonight, but they face a very good Minnesota team who has been waiting at home for this rematch against the Calgary Flames. And uh, as we like to do on a Flames game day, we head down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline for our look at the opposition tonight. Very happy to uh, chat with Joe Donald, the play-by-play voice of the Minnesota Wild on this Flames and Minnesota game day. Joe, thanks so much for doing this today, man. How are you? I'm good, Logan. Thanks for having me on. Uh, Flames and Wild uh, just saw each other Saturday, as I mentioned, and what I would imagine is probably as perfect or near close to a perfect game as the Minnesota Wild could hope for on the road, eh? That's been the wild way the last couple of weeks to be quite honest, um, locking down defensively, home or road doesn't seem to matter, get some decent goaltending and timely saves. And for the most part, it was last couple of weeks, really just the power play or Kirill Kaprizov scoring. But it was nice to see from a Minnesota perspective, Matt Boldy getting on the board for the first time since January. Uh, Marcus Foligno picking up a goal. He's sort of had a, a down year compared to the, you know, sort of breakout season he had last year. So, all things considered, that was a pretty typical wild game from the last two weeks or so. They came out of the all-star break, dropped their first three games, looked like maybe they were going to fade out of a playoff spot, and uh, nine game point streak since. Most of them been of the one-goal variety, and I think it's just seven goals allowed over the last seven games now. It was just uh, one game, but by all accounts, it was a pretty successful start to his Minnesota tenure for John Klingberg. Just from your point of view, how did you see uh, his first game for Minnesota on Saturday? Yeah, I'd agree. Uh, we talked with Dean Evison this morning. Uh, obviously, the Wild had morning skates. Flames did not because of the back-to-back. And Dean Evison uh, spoke pretty highly of John Klingberg's performance, um, talked about a few adjustments or things they'll want him to work on as he gets more comfortable with the system and his new teammates, but uh, he talked a lot about his composure and also his willingness to shoot the puck on the power play over on the top power play unit. He did so the other night up in uh, Calgary with his first in his first game there. Uh, we'll see how that continues to evolve. I, I didn't feel like he shot. The, I mean, I know the Wild had just two power plays. I I felt like there was a lot of deferring on those on those man advantages. Probably you know in large part because of the unfamiliarity with one another and. Um, just natural to probably want to be a little bit more of a facilitator early on. But I guess yesterday in practice, he wasn't afraid to shoot the puck on their power play reps. And uh, Dean Evanson really likes that part of his game. 
Were you surprised that they went out and got somebody like Klingberg on trade deadline day? Uh, yeah, it wasn't a name that was talked about much. So to answer your question, yeah, I, I was kind of surprised, especially since it came down to the final few minutes of the deadline. Now, I probably shouldn't be so surprised because he has no term left, right? The Wilder and uh, for all intents and purposes, salary cap hell moving forward because of the Parisian suitor buyouts. They can't take on anybody that has any length of uh, contract. So mm-hmm. with Klingberg having signed that one-year deal in Anaheim, um, after a long time with Dallas, um, you know, a lot of folks figured he'd be on the move because the Ducks were having a dreadful season. I probably should have recognized earlier that he would have been a possible trade target, especially being a right shot. And again, you know, he's unrestricted at the end of the year. Bill Guerin just couldn't take on anybody uh, with any future contract years underneath them already because it just they're not in that type of position. And I guess, you know, looking at the, the Minnesota back end, there really was sort of a need for a guy that could come in and, and quarterback the power play. I know Jared Spurgeon does have more points on the year than Klingberg does, but I imagine the Wild ask him to do a lot as it is on a regular basis, Joe, that maybe taking that first power play quarterback off of his plate wouldn't be the worst case for a guy like Spurgeon. Yeah, I mean, he plays a ton on the PK, five on five, you know, 20 plus minutes a night. Um, it was actually the youngster Kalen Addison that when was when he was in the lineup was the top on the top power play unit and they were using Spurgeon more in that in that secondary unit in large part to your point just kind of um, to safely manage his minutes. Uh, Kalen Addison in the press box at times due to some de- uh, defensive deficiencies, maybe not being hard enough to play against in his, in his D zone, but the offensive upsides there. But when you acquire John Klingberg, you're bringing him in for a reason. So uh, he got the first team reps the other night, the first unit reps. That will be the case again moving forward. And if Caitlin Addison draws back in at some point, now they might be able to use him on the second power play unit. So this gives them a lot of options moving forward. And as you know, if you get into the playoffs and you're going to try and make a run, you better have some depth. Uh, And correct me if I'm wrong, Joe, but it seems as though we will see the debut of Oscar Sundquist tonight. Uh, for Minnesota. What intrigues you about uh, Sunquist coming in and joining this Minnesota team? Yeah, he will play tonight. He would have played in Calgary the other night, but he got delayed um, coming out of Detroit due to a storm there. So his flight pattern was going to be like Detroit to who knows where, to Vancouver, to Calgary. So it would have been a tough day for him to begin with. Yeah, um, That got that got axed pretty quick once you know his first two flights were canceled. <laughs> So he met the team in Minnesota practice yesterday. Um, you know, net front presence and uh, I think a pretty good piece up front from a size perspective, plays with a little jam to his game. And, you know, I don't know if many people realize this, but he's got a ton of playoff experience. Um, as a rookie, he was on the Penguins team that won the Cup. He only played in two playoff games, but at least he was around that experience. And then he played 25 games for the Blues the year they won it all in 2019. So, uh, he does give them a little bit more experience as far as deep playoff runs, which you can never have enough of this time of year. And it looks like tonight he'll play with Freddie Goudreau and Marcus Foligno. And uh, we'll see if that can be a checking line that the Wild can employ down the stretch. I guess, uh, you know, when you look at the Minnesota Wild, they bring back Marcus Johansson. Uh, Oscar Sundquist set to make his debut tonight. It was about depth for this Minnesota team. I know so much. If you're not going for you know, the big fish and, you know, a guy like Timo Meyer was out there, but, you know, was Minnesota ever realistic for that? I don't know. But when you're Bill Guerin, you have to make, 
you know, sometimes those moves around the edges and they can be the the most important ones as you head into the postseason. This Minnesota team, for sure, post-trade deadline, Joe, is a lot deeper than they were with NHL experience. Yeah, and I think that goes a long way into, you know, adding to the belief in the dressing room. And it was weird. Uh, there were some – sounds like there was a meeting or two amongst the players when they came out of the break in a bit of a funk and sort of addressed it like, hey, if we get our act together here, you know, it will essentially allow management the opportunity to, to be buyers rather than sellers. Um, if that is the case, as it was reported in The Athletic by uh, – Joe Smith and Michael Russo, that the players kind of were like, hey, this is the time. Like, mm-hmm. we either start to string together some wins here, or this team might be a seller at the deadline. So, kind of interesting that the players, if that was the case, took it upon themselves to, all right, it's time to step up our game. And uh, Bill Guerin gave them now some added ammunition to uh, hopefully get out of the first round, which has been a, a struggle for the Wild in recent years. I think a lot of fans are probably still hes- hesitant to completely buy in. Uh, but if they get into the postseason, I think they'll be better served than they were even last year, which was a great year for Minnesota, just because of their ability to defend the good goaltending they're getting and the fact that I think they're a deeper team than they have been previously. Our look at the opposition today for the Calgary Flames, the Minnesota Wild, and joining us, uh, Joe O'Donnell, the radio play-by-play voice of Minnesota. Uh, you just mentioned it there, goaltending, and what a storyline it's been for this Minnesota team, Joe. Uh, to sit here and say at this point of the year that, you know, the story around Philip Gustafson and just how good he's been for this Minnesota team, it really has come out of left field because I don't even know that Bill Guerin would have told you that this was an expectation for this kid when he made that trade back in the offseason with Cam Talbot. They look really smart right now. I can tell you that. Yeah. Um, no, nobody nobody knew about him, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um you know, Cam Talbot sort of forced his way out of town because of some stuff when the season ended on social media that uh, was actually kind of brought on by his wife. So it was a little bit of a murky situation there. Um, I don't know that he wanted to be a, a 1A or a 1B with Marc-Andre Fleury long-term. And one thing I can tell you about Bill Guerin, he's sort of no-nonsense. Unbelievable guy, great track record. But I think if you get in his crosshairs, you might as well just pack your own bags. And so Talbot getting shipped right around the, the draft was, I think, caught a lot of people by surprise. But even more surprising has been just how good Philip Gustafson has been. Take out his first couple of starts, which I know you can't do ultimately, but whether it's fine at comfort zone here or, quite honestly, the Wild weren't playing that great defensively in front of no, no matter who was in net. Um, Gustafson now got a 1.99 goals against average. Uh, second in the league in goals against the save percentage, two goals or fewer in 20 of his 27 starts. He's having a career year for a 24-year-old that hadn't had much of a career prior. He's just been really, really calm in net, and uh, it's been a pleasant, pleasant surprise. While Marc-Andre Fleury at times has, has kind of been up and down a little bit, uh, Gustafson since those first couple of starts has just been outstanding. Yeah, I did want to highlight Marc-Andre Fleury in there too because anybody that we talked to around – you know, the Minnesota side of things saying don't lose perspective as to the fact that this is a, a tandem in Minnesota and having a guy like Marc-Andre Fleury, who, you know, is 38, has seen a little bit of everything in this league. Not only is he important to Minnesota, but he's probably been important to what Gustafson's been able to do this year as well. Yeah, I've asked Gus about that, you know, their relationship. And um, and really, they're just two different personalities, two different styles and net. 
Uh, but Mark Andre Fleury is the consummate teammate. You know, having spent some time a little bit at the end of last year around him, and now this year, just to see how he conducts himself on the road uh, with the fans at morning skate. If he's not starting, the extra work he puts in, his professionalism to everybody, the staff, um, you know, the organization. Like he, he is a Hall of Famer in more ways than one, and uh, really fun guy to be around. And I think he brings a lot to the dressing room, whether he's in the net or not. And, you know, he's been there before, not being the guy en route to a Stanley Cup. And he's also obviously been the guy to win a couple of cups. So uh, interesting dynamic as this year moves along. We'll see how it plays out down the stretch. But certainly shouldn't be lost that Marc-Andre Fleury is uh, not only a great teammate, uh, but still a heck of a goaltender. It's a very tough question, I guess. But all things being equal... If everything's healthy, everyone's healthy and ready to go in a month's time or so in the Minnesota Wild or entering game one, round one, where would you lean for on a starting goaltender for this team, Joe? I'd go Philip Gustafson. Okay. I really would. And it's not a knock on Flower at all. But no. Gustafson's just been so good. And it's not like a week or three weeks. You know, we're talking literally since November. Uh, wild PR on Twitter the other day. Since November the 19th, he's 16-4-2 with a 1.68 save percentage of over 94% two shutouts. I mean, that's a long stretch. That's yeah. 22 starts, right? Like, we're not talking about a small sample size. So that's how I would play it. You remember, though, last year, Cam Talbot finished the regular season on an absolute heater, and they went with Marc-Andre Fleury in game one. Now, they had just acquired Fleury you know, late March a season ago, obviously the resume, the pedigree, they end up playing Talbot in game six, which they lost in St. Louis and lost the series. Um, And then again, Talbot found his way out the door, you know, two months later, but I don't know, you know, it's, it's, it's why that Dean Evison, Bill Guerin and the group get paid the big bucks is to make that decision because not an easy one to tell, you know, one of the greatest goaltenders ever, you're not getting a nod game one of the playoffs. But if it was me, Right now, everybody's healthy. Philip Gustafson starts. Uh, I know it wasn't uh, by far close to one of his better performances on Saturday against the Flames, but on a day-to-day basis, how much fun is it watching Kirill Kaprizov just be the the true superstar on this Minnesota team? It's unbelievable. Uh, The work ethic, the work at practice. um, There are games where, you know, just early on, I'll be up top of the broadcast booth thinking to myself, man, he's – he is dialed in today, like where he just wills his way to the puck battles and, you know, stealing pucks in the offensive zone and firing shots, drawing penalties. Like he gets physical, which I don't think a lot of people understand, like the, the physical nature he plays with. He goes to the front of the net. You know, he's not a perimeter superstar at all. And just a special player. The Wild have never had a player like this. I mean, Marion Gabrick, you could argue, was electric, right? Uh, he had a five-goal game, one of the great wild players ever. But Kaprizov, I think, is more well-balanced um, and certainly rewriting the record books on a nightly basis. The last seven times now that he's been held off the score sheet, like no goals, no assists, he scored a goal or more the following game. And that would now play into factor tonight because he was blanked, obviously, Saturday up at the uh, Saddle Dome. Obviously, you know, you want to finish as, as high in the standings as you possibly can. That's a goal for every team at this point in the season, Joe. But as you look at this Minnesota team over the next month or so, 
what would you pinpoint as the things that this group really needs to work on as we get closer to the postseason? Or is there a certain area that uh, you look at and say, I'd like to see that sort of tighten up before we head to the playoffs? Well, it'd be an increase in five-on-five scoring. Last okay. year, the Wild were third in the league in five-on-five goals. This year, they're second worst behind only Chicago, uh, last time I checked anyway. So can they get consistent five-on-five scoring? You know, last year, Ryan Hartman had a career-best 34 goals. Marcus Foligno buried more than 20. I mean, you knew there'd be some regression there for, for some of those players that had career years. But, you know, Hartman's been banged up. Foligno's been banged up. Foligno just got his fifth of the year the other night. Uh, Hartman's probably on pace for 15. You know, that, that's an area where the Wild could use some other guys to chip in to take some pressure off Kaprizov. And then the other thing I'd say is, and I kind of reflected back after the, the playoff round lost last year to St. Louis is, you know, are you playing your best hockey when you get into the postseason? And right now, the Wild, because they're in a battle, they know a spot's not guaranteed. These last 19 games are going to mean a lot. And they're playing a lot of one-goal games, much like the Flames. You hope that builds some sort of metal for them uh, and bodes well down, you know, down into April and May. So five-on-five scoring and, and kind of peaking at the right time are two things I'm looking for. Uh, last one before we let you go, Joe, really do appreciate the time this afternoon. Uh, I like doing this with people who watch their teams on a consistent basis and, uh, just give the listeners here in Calgary who'll be watching the game tonight, uh, somebody maybe down the Minnesota lineup. That's really impressed you. That's been a standout that maybe we haven't talked about on our conversation yet. Well, you mentioned Jared Spurgeon. Um, you know, he's a guy that I think flies under the radar a lot nationally. Um, he is just, he does everything for this wild team. So I, I always gravitate to the block shots and the way that he plays the game hard. And Dean Evanson gives him a lot of credit for steadying the ship within a game when the wild aren't playing um, to their system. Maybe obviously Oscar Sunquist with his debut tonight, I'll be keeping an eye on him, but uh, Marcus Johansson, who you mentioned at the, at the deadline, you know, with the deadline acquisition, he's looked really good in his two games with the wild playing with Matt Boldy and Jewel Erickson act pushing the pace, his skating's really good. Um, he's healthy, and I don't know that he was healthy his first stint in Minnesota a couple years back during that COVID-shortened season. So nice to see him kind of finding a stride early. And one guy, honestly, Logan, that, that never gets talked about is Freddie Goudreau. Dean Evison coached him in the minors in the AHL. Um, he's a guy that's sort of a Swiss Army knife for this team. He'll play in every situation. He's been a killer in shootouts this year. He leads the NHL with six shootout goals. Um, and he's just one of those guys that they could play at center, at wing, uh, does a lot of little things right defensively, and uh, has a knack for the big moments. So I'd say uh, Freddie Goudreau would be another guy that if you're a Flames fan and you're watching tonight, sort of a depth player that really contributes a lot to this team. I uh, appreciate that a lot, Joe. Thanks so much for the time today on a game day. Uh, have a great call today. We'll check in with you uh, sometime soon, hey? Yeah, anytime. Thanks, sir. Take care. Thanks. Joe Donald joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon for our look at the opposition. He's the radio play-by-play voice of the Minnesota Wild, and you can find him on Twitter at Wild Joe Radio. Minnesota has not played since that win against Calgary on Saturday. They will be fresh and ready to go, and as you heard from Joe there, they will be adding in one of their trade deadline acquisitions, Oscar Sundquist, who they acquired from the Detroit Red Wings, will be inserted into the Minnesota lineup, so... It'll be a bit of a different group than the one that the Flames saw on Saturday, but uh, nonetheless, two points. Still the focus for this group, uh, for the Calgary Flames, heading into uh, this back-to-back matchup with Minnesota tonight. Again, 5 o'clock, Flames warm up with Pat Steinberg. 
6 o'clock puck drop with Derek Wills and Pete Labardius right here on your home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960. We'll come back on the other side. We'll close out the hour with some Flames game day audio. We'll hear from Jonathan Huberto, Mackenzie Weger, and we'll hear from Minnesota Wild head coach Dean Evison as we get set for the Flames and the Wild later tonight right here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, final segment of the show. Before we hand things off to Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on this Tuesday, Flames game day. Flames looking for some revenge against the Minnesota Wild after that 3-0 embarrassment on Saddledome Ice Saturday on Hockey Night in Canada. No morning skate for the Calgary Flames, so no word on potential lineup changes or a direction in goal. Have a feeling it'll be Jacob Markstrom getting a start for the Calgary Flames, but we'll wait and see. You'll have to tune into Flames warm up at 5.30 or so with Pat and Pete Lombardius to get the uh, the latest from Minnesota, who leads the Flames out for uh, warm-up, will be our starting goaltender tonight. I would go to Markstrom. I think it makes the most sense. I think he's in one of his better, if not best, stretches of the season. Uh, despite letting in four goals yesterday, I thought he was... Uh, more and more, you know, starting to look like that Jacob Markstrom uh, that Flames fans have come to uh, know and love during his tenure here. So we'll see what uh, the lineup holds for the Calgary Flames. That we'll get you some game day audio coming up in just moments. Here we'll hear from Wild head coach Dean Evison and uh, Jonathan Huberto and Mackenzie Weger of your Calgary Flames. But before we get there, I, I still think Gritty is an abomination. He's just like a an orange monster coked out of his brain all the time. And they're like, oh, this is funny. Like, Gritty scares the hell out of me. Hunter the Lynx is not a family-friendly mascot at all. Why does he need like an eight-pack of abs? Yeah, that's a good question. He just looks like a taxidermy lynx. He doesn't look like a mascot. He just looks like someone found a very large lynx around Edmonton and now wears his body as a mascot. That's all it is. So, don't tell me anything else. I can't even say that. <laughs> Factual answer to the best NHL mascot is Pat Steinberg. Scarier than Hunter, Gritty, and Bowie combined. Yes. Uh, this text says, Gritty is definitely the top of the list. I'd never grow tired of kicking him. He'd fight back. But Gritty doesn't have any rules. That's what scares me. Uh, Gritty does not abide by laws. He creates his own laws. Gritty just lives in eternal chaos, I feel. like uh, Gritty scares the hell out of me. Now I have to look at other... We'll get some game day audio here. No, what's your... No, you said you had an objective answer as to who the best mascot in the NHL is, Taylor. Who is it for you? Gritty. It's not gritty, though. It is gritty, though. because Gritty's frightening. He creates chaos, and I feel like it encompasses the entirety of the Philadelphia Flyers and just creating as much chaos as they can. Um, yeah, I kind of like that. I kind of like that. It's based off of Scott Hartnell. It's, He's, it's based off of something. I don't know that we can... Scott Hartnell. And, uh, you know, again, he creates his own laws, abides by them. Um, he doesn't care about really 
anything or anybody else's opinions about him. In so. fairness, Gritty might do as good a job managing that team as the actual managers have done the last couple of years. So are maybe we, that's why they are where they are. Because Gritty's not because the GM? Gritty is the GM. Gritty is not the GM. I feel, again, like you said, I feel like Gritty would be doing a better job. God, just looking through, there are some really stupid mascots. Uh, Montreal has two of them. No, they got Yuppie. Who's the other one? Metal. I don't know about that one. Yeah, he's their reverse retros. Well, they have one just for the reverse retros? Just for the reverse retros. That's really dumb. <laughs> Those jerseys were awful. And they didn't win in them. I like Yuppie. Yuppie's kind of fun. Yuppie's like if Gritty didn't get into hard drugs. That's <laughs> what I feel like when I look at Gritty and then I look at Yuppie. Are these things you're allowed to say on the air? Too late now. <laughs> What's that from my boss calling me? Oh, I'll take that after the show. That's not wrong. I can't not say that. It's like, look at Spartacat from Ottawa. Like, it's just, it's not even well done. Slapshot. What is Slapshot? Is the okay? It's just an eagle. That's a really stupid name, though, for the for the Washington Capitals mascot. But how do you feel about not their current mascot, but the Pittsburgh Penguins had an actual penguin as their mascot for quite a while? Well, you know, I, I mean, I think you should try to integrate like as much to the brand as you can, if if you can. What is it now? It is a mascot penguin. Oh, so you told me they had a real penguin. They had a real life penguin as their mascot. I kind of like that. The Georgia Bulldogs do that in, you know, in the NCAA. They have an actual bulldog as their mascot. I think if you're now again, I don't know anything about like animal upkeep or like what the logistics of having an actual penguin around for game days would be like, as long as the penguin's cool with it, then yeah, sure. I feel like PETA might have an issue with you dragging a penguin out of the zoo for every game day. I mean, they're in the cold anyways. It's true. There's might ice there. Well, might as well bring them into the indoor ice. Well, like some of these we got to do better. Sparky the dragon is the New York Islanders mascot. Nope. That has nothing to do with you. Oh, also, just um, the Panthers also have two. Yeah, they have Stanley C. Panther. And what? what's the other? Victor E. Yeah, Rat. Victor E. Rat. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, really good. Really nicely done, guys. Someone got paid to come up with that answer, by the way. I Stanley mean... C. Panther and Victor E. Rat. Do we get the Avs to have an actual St. Bernard dog? They could. They could, and I'd be okay with that. It'd be better than some some of these are so, like, like, some people hate this because it's the Toronto Maple Leafs and you say anything bad about Toronto. It's bad. Carlton the Bear. Why are you a bear? What does that have to do with anything? Again, I get you can't be a Maple Leaf. If you just hired somebody to walk around with a leaf, like, as a leaf all day, it'd be pretty stupid. Some but I don't, know what, I don't know what Carlton the Bear does for me. You know what I mean? Stormy, the Carolina Hurricanes mascot, is a, a pig, I guess. I think. I don't know. Again, 
you can't, if you can't if you can't do a good mascot because your thing is like the hurricanes, I don't know if we need a mascot. Apparently, uh, all the teams in the NHL except for the Rangers have to have a mascot. See, and now look at this. Now I brought this up. You brought this up, and two people pointed on the text line that the Pittsburgh Penguin Penguin actually died from poor care. He got pneumonia and he died. He's dead. That's why we don't have real animals, Taylor. Well, I mean, that was they back killed in the a day. penguin. That was back in the day. They what, can like two thousand and five? When did this penguin die? I don't know. I'm gonna Google some things you shouldn't Google on a work computer. Penguins' Pete last live appearance was in front of seven thousand fans, November sixteenth, nineteen sixty-eight. See, it was in the two days 60s. later, November twenty. It was like, in the sixties. I feel like we have better care for penguins and other animals, and actual laws and restrictions. Pittsburgh penguin, real penguin. Come on, Google, help me out here. His name was Penguin Pete, and he's dead. Long, long dead. Didn't the angels also have? They had like a real life. They monkey. had a real angel. No, they had a oh. monkey. From like I think it was from the Angel Zoo or whatever. Yeah, see, Pat would like that. Steinberg's all about monkeys, despite the fact that they'll rip your face off and murder kids in the stands. Let's just have a monkey walking around. It was to intimidate the other team when they were down in like. What's the intimidating about that though? That's just a bad idea. They, no, they just played like a monkey video on the jumbotron and then decided, hey, let's get a real monkey in here. Oh, penguin Pete. This penguin Pete story like, is really he tragic. He only made like six appearances. He died of pneumonia, and it was believed that his death was due to the ice crew keeping his nesting area too warm. He was then sent to a taxidermist and displayed in their team offices at the arena until people called in and objected to his presence there. So thanks, Taylor. Thanks for ruining the day. With this about the dead penguin. And now you think now, oh cool, now we can have a dog walking around if you're if you're the Colorado Avalanche. I don't trust anybody with a dog. Well, all the teams do have like a dog with them at all times. Like a training Yeah, a lot of them have picked up like um Service animals. Service animals, which I think is a good idea. So But now I'm they put skates on them. I feel like that's worse. That's and make them fair. skate on the ice. I just feel bad for Penguin Pete. Would you like me to ask the penguins to send you Penguin Pete? No, I don't want... Taxidermy stuff is just is kind of weird to me. Looks like he's wearing a wig. He can just sit on the nice window still right behind you. Oh, and see, see, and now they had penguins at the Penguins outdoor game in Pittsburgh, and PETA condemned their use of them. Boo, PETA. Well, I mean, like, kind of, but not... As long as we're treating the animals okay, I'm all right with this, but this is just kind of... There's a, there's a follow-up it... to the story of Penguin Pete. I don't know if I want to know about this. Let us have... <laughs> A second penguin mascot, who was dubbed Repeat, was later loaned to the team and made it through the 1971-72 to season. 
like brought in another one and named him Repeat. That's kind of in. That's kind of that's brutal. Kind of rude to regular Pete. <laughs> Repeat. Uh, this one says a couple texts. The Angels monkey was a rally monkey, and uh, this text says, uh, "Didn't Bakersfield have a condor at a game?" And he talked. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure that's right. The Bakersfield Condors did bring a condor for. I think for a. I want to say for a face-off, uh, a ceremonial puck drop. Okay, but how about we not have Condor. scary killer animals Condor be attacks. mascots and have cute puppies be mascots, like a St. Bernard? Yeah, I mean, that's okay. But I mean, a dog could still, I guess a dog could still attack you if you really wanted to get there. Uh... <laughs> What Dexter says, uh, I'm obsessed with this now. The Penguin Pete uh, thing, uh, Wikipedia articles. Uh, a skater from the University of Pittsburgh taught Pete at the arena how to ice skate. Aw. The mascot or the penguin? Because no, if no, it's the, the penguin. Pe- they taught the-, the penguin how to skate. That's adorable. He's dead now. Way to go, Pittsburgh. You had one chance, and you ruined it for the rest of us. <laughs> this was so innocent when it started, too. And it's just the few people who texted in, too, about the, the actual trivia question that we have. And we've just gone so far away from it. I've questioned Gritty's drug use. Taylor's brought up dead mascots. Like, holy, it's just, just gone poorly show plans out the window what's a show plan uh okay that's that's there's no easy way to transition from this but uh we'll continue taking your text uh at 960-960 if you want to win uh that 30 minute rapid shot hockey training session that we're giving away today from our friends at score hockey range uh just text in to 960-960 with the year that nordy Became the Minnesota Wild's official mascot. Uh, Nordy is lame, boring, and uh, all all sorts of just plain and not a real average. animal. Yeah, this is not a thing. Oh, he's wild. Okay, cool, uh, Nordy. But uh, since the Flames are playing the Wild today, if you have that answer and you'd like to uh, to go ahead and use it, and uh, you think you can make use, or you know someone that can make use of that uh, thirty minute rapid shot hockey training session, nine six zero nine six zero with your first and last name on the text. We've got some game day audio to get to uh, on a Flames game day. Let's start with uh, Jonathan Huberdeau from the Calgary Flames. Two assists last night, including the primary assist on Tyler Toffoli's game winner with six seconds remaining. He spoke to the media ahead of this matchup against the Minnesota Wild. Well, I just uh, let's start with six seconds left. Um, you get the puck on your stick. How confident are you uh, as you send that pass off the ice that uh, that was going to finish it? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> Tough was flying on that play actually. So that was uh, I just saw him going, and you know, obviously we getting getting a chance, and he was fast. So I just tried to hit him, and we know how good of a goal scorer he is. So I had a lot of confidence when he when he went in there, and 
you know, obviously place a perfect shot, and that's a, it's a big win for us in regulation. Yeah, I was just going to say, how, how good does it feel uh, just to have, you know, one of those? I think it was, you know, Lindy that talked about, you know, sometimes it's been t- like tough in terms of making things tougher than it needs to be, but, uh, you know, find a way to get that one done here. Yeah, we did. I mean, I guess we don't like to go in overtime this year, so <laughs> so that was good to, to get a goal at the end, but it's good for, for confidence. I think, you know, we deserve to, to yeah. win that game in regulation, and you know, obviously they came back, but I think we found a way, and it's a huge break. I feel we didn't get that many breaks, you know, this year, so that's good to have that at the end of the game. Yeah, but kind of go the other way. Um, what about just some momentum now? You talk about uh, needing that one, but um, obviously there's there's a few more. You want to string a few together. So what does it have to look like here tonight? Yeah, here it's always a tough building to play play in. So, and but they came in our building, and you know the. They, we didn't score a goal, so I think, you know we gotta we gotta come out here and it's uh, got a good start. I think it's important for us and especially on the back to back. So we just gotta play our game, play hard, and you know come out with the uh, huge two points. Uh, and I'd imagine you know we just said the same thing about um, you know this team. You just saw them on Saturday, and obviously that one wasn't the way you wanted it to go. But uh, to have another crack at them, I'd imagine that there's a little extra. Uh, involved with that too. Yeah, especially that quick. I mean, sure. uh, a turnaround. I think we didn't forget about this one, so got to put that in our in our head and you know get to work. I think that that's what we got to do and you know take the game from yesterday and kind of do the same same thing uh, today and you know get a good start. Just one last one for me, and that's uh, you know Nick obviously joins your line. It seemed like you guys had a barrel of chances last night. Uh, did you kind of feel that same way that there was some some good looks there? Yeah, we did. I think he's a you know he's a big big guy and he goes and wins battle and you know he made some some great plays. So I think yeah, we got to build build off that yeah. and um, be the same tonight. I think we created a lot of chance offensively. So we got to like I said do the same thing. That's what we want to do as offensive guys. There you go, Jonathan Huberto. He had two assists last night in the win against Dallas. Another buy with uh, another guy with two assists last night. A big part of the win. Mackenzie Weger, two points. He was plus three on the night. Two shots on goal. Four hits. One block and two takeaways in just under twenty-one minutes of ice time. Mackenzie Weger making a nice little pairing there with Rasmus Anderson. They've certainly come on the last couple of games, uh, but he knows it's important for them to pick up another two points tonight against Minnesota. Here's Mackenzie Weger from this morning in Minnesota. Just uh, take me through kind of uh, as you're watching the, over, the, the uh, goal right before overtime starts mm-hmm. and uh, the emotions of it. Yeah, it was uh, it was a crazy game, obviously. Um, you know, I thought, you know, maybe we could have held on to that 4-2 lead a little longer, but, um, you know, that's that's one of those games where it's a, it's a bit of a thriller. Um, you know, good for Toff to, you know, see that lane and he'd be to get it to him. And, um, you know, I'm, I thought we deserved to win that one in regulation. I don't, I, you know, you got to get good bounces, but I thought we, we earned it. Yeah, yeah, well said. I thought, you know, obviously starts in the defensive zone. I think you played a big role. Mm. I mean, what are you seeing? Is, uh, you know, they have, the, you know, they got the puck, but, you know, just enough time to yeah. pry it loose and, and send it back up the ice. Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's just urgency in the D zone. Um, you know, one thing I pride myself on is playing hard defense and, um, you know, getting a Pucks quick and you know taking the body when I can and uh, fortunately it, it took a funny bounce off my skate or my stick and uh, landed on Hubie's uh, stick so um, you know just urgency in the D zone. Uh, what about uh, taking it forward now? Obviously uh, you know we knew 
big one first of all to uh, get it started but uh, you know to, to carry on here tonight yeah I think tonight's all about work ethic and um, you know effort compete level um, you know I think that's kind of one thing we lacked the last time we played them is our work ethic so um, tonight it's you know it's about us and working hard and competing hard does it kind of feel like you know timing's perfect in terms of getting that team back mm -hmm. you know Saturday obviously doesn't go the way you want but just to have a, another crack out of there yeah absolutely um, you know they came into our building and um, you know, put up a good game against them. I think, you know, we deserve to uh, go into their building and do the same thing, and uh, tonight's our chance to do that. Is there a little patience a little has to be kind of with it? We know how they like to play. They like to kind of, you know, shut things down and, and not mm -hmm. allow a lot of space. Is there some patience that has to come with that, or is it more about, you know, trying to attack and maybe get at them early? Yeah, I mean, why not Why not attack and get at them? Um, you know, when we play with pace and, um, you know, that urgency for check hard and check hard, defend hard, I think, um, you know, it's hard to defend us. Um, you know, no patience needed. I think we just keep going at them and um, you know for us you know we play that tight defensive game so um, you know let's play that game too and um, you know let's go at them with everything we got tonight. McKenzie Weger of the Calgary Flames uh, going to be an important piece so they want to pick up a win against the Minnesota Wild right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.